0: Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guests by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet, and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now, let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Marnie. Excited to have you back with us for another edition of Marnie's Friends and delighted to have our guest, Kathy Collard Miller, with us today. We are going to be talking today about a new you. And, you know, we all have these aspects of our lives that drive us crazy and we just long to be different in these particular ways. And for every person, we'd have a different list of things that we'd like to see changed. But during the next hour, I hope you'll grab a notebook and really take down some concepts here from Kathy. She's going to teach us how the motives of our heart support or sabotage our chances of creating a new us. Uh, Also, why it's so hard to make lasting changes in our lives and what we can do about it right now. She's going to share six secrets which reveal what you've learned about life, God, and people, and how these lessons are affecting your life right now. Also, how to identify what may be important, what may be more important to you than God a three-step plan for trusting God more, ways to identify the hidden battles being fought in your heart, how to deal with disappointment with compassion versus retaliation. So much good stuff in this hour coming up. Also the key component to overcoming persistent bad habits and the critical questions to ask yourself next time you're tempted to disobey God. Our guest today is Kathy Collard Miller. Her ministry began after God healed her marriage and delivered her from being a child abuser. Her 50 books, include Christian living topics and Bible studies for women. Her latest book is Pure Hearted, The Blessings of Living Out God's Glory, and she's spoken in 30 U.S. states and eight foreign countries. Her website is KathyCollardMiller.com, and welcome to you, Kathy.
1: Marnie, I am so thrilled to be on your program. I'm just praising God for how you represent him and bring glory to him.
0: Oh, well, thank you for that, and it is a delight to have you here. (laughs) And I'm excited to talk about all of this stuff this hour because so many of us um, really become, maybe uh, at times, I know I do, I become discouraged in the journey uh, where I think, you know, God, I know I'm supposed to be perfect like you're perfect, but I'm just so not there. (laughs) And um, there are, you know, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about the process of walking with God and living out this life um, in our weakness. He's made strong, many different things like that. And today you're going to share with us some of the things that have helped you to see some growth in your own life as well as help other women to find growth in their own lives. And I am so excited to address this topic. So we are going to start right away with the diving into the motives of our heart. Um, There's a word out there, you know, sabotaging ourselves and things like that. So when you talk, when you think about changing, about a new you starting today, what is this piece about the motives of our heart?
1: Well, first of all, when I think of a new you, I think the best description in the Bible is uh, having the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. What could be better than a new you that has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control? I mean, that describes the best you we can be. And yet you are right, Marnie. We get so discouraged because we we want to be that best you, but things happen. So I'm thinking of the time that I was speaking at a retreat, and we, we were singing a song about wanting God's glory. And in that glorious moment, I said to God, "God, I'll do anything for Your glory," and I meant it, Barney. Until, at the very end of the conference, I was looking through the um, evaluations, and of course, there was a place for people to con- the women to comment on the speaker. And as I went through them real fast, everything was glowing of the 800 women's evaluations. Then one said, this speaker should not be a speaker. She is crazy. And I thought, ah, ah, ah. And I'm starting to hyperventilate. And I think, what, what, what did I do? What did I do wrong? And in that moment, you know what? I didn't care a bit about God's glory. All I uh, cared about was my reputation and my motive Mm -hmm. to be seen as a godly woman who was a good speaker. And all the way home, driving home, I struggled. But then eventually I was able to say, okay, God, you know what? You know I obeyed you. You know the best that I did, the best that I could. And so I'm just going to look to you. And I don't know what happened with that woman, but, Lord, my eyes are on you, no longer on that evaluation.
0: When I think of the motives of our heart, it's like God brings these um, speed bumps or, you know, whatever you want to call them, Arrow, arrows, yes. a the arrows, um, in order to surface the places where we're not truly all his yet. Um, the places where, you know, our motives are still not all about him. You know, and, and we've all had a, a similar thing happen where, you know, one minute you're just saying, I'll do anything. I'm totally committed, and the next minute you're not.
1: <laughs> and right. It's
0: so it's, it shocks us, and it humbles us, always humbles us, hopefully, um, to recognize our frailty. But I, I like that verse in Psalms in, that he remembers that we are but a mist, a wind. That is here and gone, you know, um, that, you know, he, he already knows how feeble we are <laughs> and how easy we are. Yes, to he, lose our I rights. think
1: we get discouraged because we think God expects us to become perfect. And mm-hmm. for those of us who are recovering perfectionists, we really struggle with that. And because mm-hmm. I grew up thinking that God expected me to be perfect before he could love me. And so it's really important that we see, you know what God is like. You said, he knows we are but dust, a mist, and he is so patient and compassionate toward us.
0: And he's very patient like you said. How do you how do you approach, I, I know in, in uh, my last book, Flow with Your Vessel, I spend a lot of time on this, making lasting changes in our lives and how, how to go about it now. What is your approach to that? What, what is your word of encouragement to us?
1: Oh, it's that God has no problem with process. God has no problem <laughs> with us being in a journey. I love Philippians 1.6. We know this verse. It's so powerful. Paul mm-hmm. says, for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it yesterday now wait a minute <laughs> that must be in my Bible for perfectionists because that's yeah. what I want Marty. Yeah. I yeah. want that I will be perfect yesterday but what does the verse actually say we know For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And that is either when we uh, meet him in the air or we die. And so God isn't tapping his foot. He's not thumbing his his fingers on the desk and saying, when is she going to get it right? No, he's saying you will always be in process, but that's good because now you'll need (laughs) me over and over and over again. Right. I just have to laugh because this morning
0: as I was doing gathering my thoughts and writing down all the, you know, just thoughts that are flowing through our minds all the time. uh, The very first thing I wrote this morning is irritation at your way. Why can't I just get this done and move on with my life?
1: You know, that was yeah. just the
0: very first natural thought I had this morning of the irritation that God is content with process. He is content with sometimes a very long trek around a wilderness in order to get us to the next point. And it is, it is not a problem for him. He is simply not upset about that. And um, we, we tend to get upset.
1: We certainly do, because if we could get perfect, then we wouldn't feel bad about ourselves. You see, our motive is often, I don't want to feel bad about myself. I don't want to feel like I've done something wrong because other people won't like me then. So it goes back to our motives. And and to think that God is saying, I'm going to take you on this journey, then I'll be exposed to not feeling the best about myself, and we don't like that.
0: That is a powerful word. We hate to feel exposed. Um, Just Sunday in our Women's Bible Study at church, um, we were talking about this and how few of us really feel safe with, with, with other women um, I shouldn't say that. We all felt safe with a few other women. thought. <laughs> a few women. Good clarification. <laughs> yes, yes. Because actually, uh, you know, I always say, you know, God's the only one who can really handle all of my junk. And um, people tend to tire of us having the same weakness uh, week after week, month after month, even year after year, decade after decade sometimes. Uh, But God is really in it with us for the long haul. He is not short-sighted, and he does have a wonderful healing and freedom plan. We are already free. We're walking it out, walking like a prisoner of war, waiting for the airplane to come, waiting for the boat to come and take them home. They're free, (laughs) but they're not yet home, you know, and uh, we just can't can't really get our arms around that very well Well, this is marty sudberg visiting today with kathy collard miller of kathycollardmiller.com we're taking a short break right now coming back with six secrets which reveal what you've learned about life god and people and how those lessons are affecting your life right now don't go away we'll be right back Welcome back. This is Marnie, and we're talking today about a new you. Right now we're going to bring Kathy Collard-Miller back online with us here and talk about the six secrets which reveal what you've learned about life, God, and people, and how these lessons are affecting your life right now. Kathy, take it away. What's secret number one?
1: The secret number one is all of us as children experience wounds. We all experienced hard things that as children, we didn't know how to deal with. And as a result, the second secret is it went into we heard and felt a message, a message about our worth and value. That message became, unfortunately, the third secret, which is a belief. It becomes a part of our belief system, but most of the time it's a lie. Because we don't know how to differentiate between God's message of of his love for us and Satan's lie. Then that becomes, in order to deal with the pain of that, we make a vow. That is number four. The vow is where we decide, you know what, I'm always going to do this to avoid the pain. And the vow turns into something that is a habit that we call, Larry, my husband Larry and I call, a self-protective sinful strategy. And then when that strategy, which we depend upon, is, is threatened, we get hooked. We call being hooked anything that is a reaction that is the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. So let me give you an example. First of all, I'll start with being hooked. Years ago, I signed up for our adult Sunday school class to bring snacks. And I knew that the week before, we would be out of town, but I knew I'd be back in time to bring the snacks. Well, we got back in town on Saturday. I listened to our messages, and it was Pam. Pam said on the voicemail, "Uh, Kathy, you signed up for snacks. Let me know that you are bringing them. There was another message in the several messages Uh, This was before cell phones, Marnie. And uh, she said, well, Kathy, I didn't hear back from you. I called on Tuesday, and so evidently you're not going to bring the snacks, so I'll get somebody else to get them. Oh, Marnie, I went ballistic. In fact, I yelled at Mary, what does she think? I'm stupid. Does she think I'm not oh. dependable, that I would sign up to do something I'm not planning on doing? She thinks I lie. Well, I just went on and on and on. And later, I actually thought, why did that bother me so much? Well, it wasn't until quite a while later when I uh, put together these six things about these six secrets I remember that when I was a little girl, I was in third grade, and I was teacher's pet. I loved being teacher's pet of Mrs. Layton, but one day, I said something really mean to another student, and the students called over Mrs. Layton, Mrs. Layton, Mrs. Layton, Kathy said such and such, and Mrs. Layton looked at me, and she said, Kathy, did you say that, and I was threatened that my worth and value before Mrs. Layton was threatened. And I said, no, Mrs. Layton, I didn't say that. I lied. I knew I'd lied. I didn't know how to go to God for forgiveness. The message was, I'm a dirty little girl who lies. The lie that I then absorbed was, I'm a liar. Now, there's truth in that. But I didn't know how to bring Christ into it. Mm -hmm. And so my vow became, I'm going to make sure I do everything right so that nobody knows the truth about me, that I'm a liar. That vow to do everything right became contributed to my self-protective sinful strategy of perfectionism. And that day... When Pam saw me as undependable and that I had lied, I got hooked. And because anger is the opposite of the fruit of the spirit, I got angry as if I were trying to convince myself it's her problem. She didn't believe me. I'm dependable. How dare she? And that was a protective measure that seemed like it was letting me off the hook because I didn't want anybody to see me as a liar, undependable, and imperfect.
0: Hmm. Wow. It is it is S of P, which is Self-Something, Sinful Strategy of Protection. But what was the self first?
1: <laughs> it's Self-Protective, Sinful Protective. Strategy. S-P-S-S.
0: P S. There we go. Self-protective. Yes. I love self-protective. that. That is. Um...
1: It's self-protective, and, you know, I... because. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, well, I, it... I love it because it it puts it into it puts it into perspective um, that yeah. that these things that are happening underneath came at a very uh, vulnerable point in time, like you say, when we didn't know something better to do with it.
1: I went to church, but no one ever coached, coached me on, Kathy, when you do something wrong, yes, you have done something wrong, but Jesus offers forgiveness. And all he wants you to do, First 1 John 1, nine tells you, confess your sin. And God is faithful and just to forgive your sins. But I didn't know that. And what little kid does? And how few of us as children have a spiritual mentor that will say wow uh, uh, when was the last time you did something wrong? Have you received Jesus forgiveness for it yet? Because you can be cleansed. I didn't have that and most kids don't. Well and even
0: I'm thinking back to
1: mid-30s for me where I was still
0: um, too ashamed to if I was doing a sin that I had confessed multiple times, um, mm. I was too ashamed to confess those to God even in my mid thirties after walking with Christ since I was four years old so I mean it, it yes. isn 't just children who don 't know it 's a lot of times we don 't we don 't really believe that god 's you know, I'm, I'm working a lot in myself right now with this not enough, that God's love is not enough for us. We, we believe it's not quite enough for me. You know, it's enough for my salvation, but I don't know if it's enough to keep forgiving me when I keep blowing it.
1: Absolutely. It's a real struggle. And I think most women especially really struggle with this because there are so many areas we feel like failures we're not the perfect mom we're not the perfect christian we're not uh we're not being the great wife there's so many areas we can become discouraged about
0: mm-hmm. Well, let's just, before we move on here, I want to go back and recap the six. So number one is we experienced wounds as a child. Number two, we heard and felt a message about our worth and value. Number three, that became a belief, usually a lie. (laughs) Number four, we made some kind of a vow that in the future I'm going to do blank in order to avoid the pain. This is the self-protective sinful strategy. What was number five?
1: Well, actually, the strategy is number five. But the vow becomes so rooted. It becomes, the vow is just the sort of the inclination, and the strategy works it out. So my vow was I'm going, and did I have specific words as a child? No. But it was my heart's inclination. Mm -hmm. I can cover up being a liar by. By doing everything dependably and you know what Marnie every single report card of mine the teacher wrote Kathy is a very dependable and conscientious student and so my strategy became do it right my perfectionism that's number five and when the strategy is threatened when somebody doesn't see me perfect when someone doesn't see me dependable or smart, or whatever it is, there's other things I've also vowed, then I get hooked, which is the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Wow.
0: This is so powerful. Do you have this all in a book? Is this is this one of your books, <laughs> this particular I, is this
1: it, it is. It's in the book that Larry and I uh, wrote called Never Ever Be the Same. A New You starts today. And then I do recap it in my latest book, which is called Pure-Hearted, The Blessings of Living Out God's Glory.
0: Oh, so important. This is really important. And I just love how you've caps, capsulated this entire, you know, it's really um, done a lot of work with the prayer. And, you know, what, what Ed Smith says is that, you know, when, when Satan is looking for a plan to destroy lives, Really, where he focuses is on a child. He's looking for a place of vulnerability in a child's life where he can plant a lie.
1: And once yes. he
0: plants that lie, he just basically leaves the child to self destruct. <laughs> and
1: it's yep. so true. And we're so good at so it true. because
0: we don't oh, have resources. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And we just, we, so... we, as a child, you're very vulnerable um, to those lies. But then they become so deeply buried, you don't even know that they're there anymore. Mm. Exactly. That's amazing. And that's
1: why Marnie will say, why does this bother me so much? Why mm-hmm. can't I be peaceful? Why do I keep feeling so discontent and I grumble and I complain? Mm-hmm. And it goes back usually to our childhood, the lies, the vows, the strategies, and we don't even realize the depth. And that's why, and this is certainly not new with Larry and I, we like to think of it as an iceberg. And the ice above the waterline, we try to change as Christians. I'm just going to change my behavior. <laughs> I'm not going to complain anymore. But below the waterline are our motives, our beliefs, our wounds, our idols, these other things that are affecting the above. But unless we ask God to really search our hearts, we don't know what's below the waterline.
0: Yeah, that's that's just great. And I think, you know, the other thing that we tend to do is we tend to judge people by what's above their waterline. Yeah sometimes uh, sometimes what's above the waterline is not the whole story, and underneath they may be a gold gem, um, and what's showing on top isn't so refined. You know I mean it works both ways, so I think it's just so important to keep going back to Jesus. In fact, you have a way to help us identify um, what might be in our life that's more important to us than God. How, how do you help people identify what that is?
1: We ask a lot of questions. Larry and I are are soul care lay counselors, and we ask a lot of questions. And so we want to look for and help them see, and ourselves, of course, idols. Idols are anything that we don't know are more important than God, but they are. And so we can identify those by anything that makes us feel tense, with the thought of losing it? And can we be willing to trust that God has something even better? So I'm going to be very vulnerable here and say that I, God is showing me and working in me that one of my idols is my daughter. I love the relationship I have with my daughter. Even though I abused her when she was two years old, she's now grown, has two little kids, she includes me in her life. She has totally forgiven me. She and I I love that. But I'll tell you what, if I say something and she seems a little unhappy, I start getting tense because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. Am I putting at risk what I value? And so I have to just keep giving it to the Lord and saying, God, you are my Provider, you are the one I want to seek approval from, and yes, I I will. I know you're giving the gift of my daughter and our relationship, but Lord, you know what? I need to worship you most of all.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I remember when God was working with me, and that was my three kids, and it it was such a it was such an amazingly difficult process to release my kids i remember crying once i'm so hard that i was hyperventilating but when god <laughs> got me through, yeah when god got me through that 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 true death to my death to my hold on my children then every moment after that has been a gift Every moment I've had them, every love, every hug, every phone call has been a gift. And it changed everything from me trying to grasp and control and hold on to them, like you say. And that is exactly what I was doing to a terribly painful level. And God just freed me of that. But it was a painful journey to get from grasping to
1: free. It is. And it starts with recognizing what it is that is our idol that we don't even realize so Mm -hmm. as i said we can test a possible idol by do we feel tense do we feel worried by losing something that could be ministry that could be a job that could be a relationship there's so many things that it could be and if we're not willing to say lord I, I'm willing to lose it, then we're in trouble. You know, um years ago, about twelve years ago, as Larry and I went through some training for being lay counselors and uh as a part of that we were given soul care counseling and we began to be in touch with the idol of our ministry. We had been in ministry a long time We had been around the world, we had written books, both individually and separately, and at the end of this very, very deep time of being given counseling and and soul care, our soul care provider, who never told us what to do, but she said, I'm wondering if the Lord would be inviting you to take a sabbatical from ministry. Mm -hmm. I burst into tears. (laughs) <laughs> From the relief of it. I, I don't still don't know how I was able to release it in God's power so quickly. But over uh-huh. the five days we had had of the counseling, I began to see the idol that it was. And for ended up to be five years of various kinds of sabbatical, we were out of ministry.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell you when you are, you know, feeling that pressure to hang on to it, to protect it. What, what did I write down just a little bit ago? You know, um, I'm doing this in order to survive. That's how it feels when you're doing, When you've got this vow that you've made, you're just trying to survive this. And when when somebody says, you know, you really need to let that go, it doesn't even feel possible. A lot of times, it feels like um, you know, you're on a roller coaster, a merry-go-round that's going so fast that if you jumped out right now, you would die. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, so, but it's a lie. But it's it's a lie. Mm-hmm. It's it's a perversion it of the truth.
1: And sometimes we've actually had people tell us, "But if I let go of that, I it feels like death." You're absolutely <laughs> right, Marnie. Sometimes it has such a hold over us that there's no way we can have abundant life without it. And that is the most difficult kind of idol because it feels like death, that I will literally die. And some have actually felt like that, especially sexual abuse victims who were to, to, if God invites them to forgive their abuser, that doesn't mean that we put ourselves back into an abuse situation. But if if they're being abused to forgive, which actually will set them free, it feels like death. Because all they have to feel alive is their anger and their bitterness. And yet God says, no, daughter, that's not the best for you. That's why I want you to be set free. And the way is forgiveness. I am a just God. I will bring justice. You cannot.
0: Mm. Mm. So beautiful. And you guys, um, Kathy and listeners, let's just pray right now, Father. We just release all of our areas of woundedness to you right now. We just ask you to shine the light of truth into our hearts and our minds. And show us what we're holding on to. Show us where we have made these vows deep down in our thoughts. Maybe we, have, we have probably no memory of making a vow like this, but God, you know right where they are. And you know the ones, or the ones that you would like to spot like right now in our hearts and our lives. And God, I just pray that you would do that. You would give us the courage to come running into your arms for forgiveness and for hope and for healing. Thank you for this moment right now to recognize that you want us free, (laughs) that this is something that we used to believe we needed to survive, but it was a lie, and that what we really need is you. All we need is you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Kathy, do you want to just add a prayer to this right now?
1: Oh, I would love to. Father God, you are such a gentle God. You are such a good God. Lord, strengthen our trust and our faith in you that you whatever you do invite us into is intended for our good lord open our eyes to the good that can come the freedom the fruit of the spirit the joy the relaxation the just enjoying you and giving up this idol that seems so important that we would almost feels like we would die so father i just know that you are working in hearts right now May you shine. May you be glorified as the good God that you are and that your invitations are always meant for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Amen, amen. Well, don't go away. We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about a three-step plan for trusting God more, plus ways to identify the hidden battles being fought in your heart. We'll be right back. you ever need a guest speaker or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go check out womenspeakers.com the largest online directory of christian women speakers in the world since 2002 connecting thousands of planners with over 1300 speakers speakers are available to you from every state denomination experience level and fee range you simply search when you have time anytime day or night and connect directly with the speakers that interest you no middlemen no hidden fees it's all simple easy enjoyable and online check it out today at womenspeakers.com that's www.womenspeakers.com And welcome back. We're visiting today with Kathy Collard-Miller, who is one of our speakers over at womenspeakers.com. And you can also check out her website at Kathy with a K, Collard with a C, Miller.com. Kathy, I'm just enjoying this time so much, and this is one of my favorite topics. (laughs) I've I've done the Success Principles Intensive Program, which is a coach certification program, talking about a lot of these same things. And you just have a way of phrasing these things into such an understandable uh, form. I'm just so excited to be able to share this today. So you have a three-step plan for trusting God more. And I love this idea. So what are the three steps?
1: <laughs> They're very simple, but not easy. Uh, repent, surrender, and be in process. So we have to recognize, and usually we recognize it after we don't trust, and that's discouraging. But actually, it's the path to restoration and transformation. Repentance means we say, God, I wasn't trusting you in that moment. And so you offer me forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. So, Lord, in that moment, I don't know why right now, but I recognize and I repent of what I chose to do, and now I am cleansed. Then the second step is surrender. Surrender is a matter of thinking, you know, even if I'm exposed, even if I am not seen as perfect, even if whatever it is, I'm going to trust you the story of Habakkuk is so powerful for this. In four uh, chapters, we see, or was it three? We see how Habakkuk had to go through a journey of learning to surrender. And then in the very last verses, he says, you know what? Even if we are called into Babylon, which you say is going to happen, Lord, even if their vines are, are barren, even if there's no cows in, in the stall, even if all these horrible things happen that you've said will, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation, the sovereign God who is in control, That surrender. And then what we talked about earlier, accept that we're in process. God is patient. God isn't expecting perfection. So, yes, I didn't trust him in that moment, but don't worry. I'll have another opportunity.
0: <laughs> yeah, they just keep coming, don't they? <laughs> That's the one thing we can count on. As a parent, as a parent, one of the most helpful things I ever learned was that if you weren't sure that your child was guilty of a crime of some kind, just wait. Because if they did it once, they would probably do it again. <laughs> so uh, God is very patient, and He knows that uh, we will just keep doing this until we are fully healed. And the healing process does come with trusting Him and giving back. I love the, I love the second one there, where you say surrender is the even if uh, sentence. Even if whatever it is that we were wanting so much to avoid when we made that vow as a child, even if, even
1: if, then I'm still going to trust You. It is a choice That word is so important We may not feel like it at the moment But we can make Mm -hmm. the choice And that's why I even like Habakkuk Or Habakkuk uh, As some people say (laughs) Um, He says yet I will Exalt in the Lord Not I feel like it Okay Mm -hmm. I know He says I will I choose and it, it's hard to make that choice, but God comes alongside of us and prompts us and empowers us. And He makes it possible within us to make that choice.
0: Mm, so beautiful. So, we've talked a little bit about um, the secret places in our hearts. Did you have other helps to identify the hidden battles that are fighting for our hearts?
1: I certainly do. It's something that we call railroad tracks. Now, think of railroad tracks. It's not a monorail. It's a railroad track. There's two. And so if we look at a railroad track way down the line, it looks like it's one and what we find in our own hearts and in the hearts of those that we counsel is that on the one hand we can say i trust god i know god loves me i i'm doing great and then you know what our behavior the other track reveals it's not quite that way and i've done it myself no i really trust god i don't worry I don't uh, fret, whatever it is I'm struggling with, and I can't really see that in my behavior it's revealing something different. And so the behavior points to what is below the waterline. And then as we can see that God is always inviting us to change through seeing the railroad tracks we can look at the railroad tracks, identifying them as God's way to bring them together like a monorail. So I love to quote James 1, 2, and 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. By the way, that word perfect is the word complete, which is who we are in Christ, not on this earth. And I love that affirmation because it lets me know God, again, isn't uh, really um, expecting to me to be perfect. And the other thing is, when it says trials of various kinds, the Greek word there is the idea, the word we use in English for polka dots. And Chuck Swindoll says this. He says that that refers to all the different sizes and colors of polka dots. And trials of various kinds isn't just persecution. It's anything that we are invites us into having an identifier of how we have railroad tracks that we're not aware of. Then that produces steadfastness as we have a heart transformation.
0: So the railroad tracks, we've got oh, the monorail is when we're walking with God as one. The railroad tracks is yeah. when we think we're walking with God
1: as one because we're still <laughs> We over. think we but are. We've
0: got, <laughs> Right? We we look like we are, whatever, and then uh, we realize, oh, I'm really going
1: my own way on this
0: one track over here. Interesting. Fascinating Truly. word picture. I like it and a lot. The,
1: and <laughs> the hooking tells us, uh-oh, and you know what we're really good about doing, Marnie, about being hooked? You know what? I I'm I'm not angry. I'm just irritated. I'm not angry. I'm just aggravated. We don't call it what it really is. And I'm not bitter, I'm just sort of rehearsing what that person did to me. Or I'm not worried, I'm just trying to plan. And how quickly it goes from righteousness and slips very subtly into uh, being not righteous and we're being hooked and the fruit of the Spirit are no longer being evident And, you know, another very important way to identify the hidden battle is to not believe that growth is a spiral, excuse me, is a linear line. Growth is actually a spiral. In our book, Never, Ever Be the Same, we talk about it like a whirlpool. Most of us start out thinking that growth is a linear line, which means I encounter a trial and then I leave it behind God conquers it and I'll never be tested in that way again. I'll never have to face that sinful strategy again. And then when we do, <laughs> we become discouraged. We think we're failures. We think God let, you know, failed us. We think that there's no hope. But you know what? If we see it as a spiral, if we see it as a whirlpool, where the, we go around and around in life, and then we hit, whoa, there's that rock in that whirlpool again. But because I trusted the Lord in it, a little bit of the rock got got dislodged. So I might come around to it again and again and again, but it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's what, mm-hmm. by understanding that we don't just get rid necessarily of the struggle in a certain area, but that self protective sinful strategy can still have a hold over us, and God is inviting us to take just a little bit more of its power off of our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: I love that so much. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Kathy Collard Miller of Kathy with a Case collard with a c miller.com uh her newest book is whispers of my heart we're going to come right back and talk about ways to identify i'm sorry how to deal with disappointment with compassion versus retaliation the key component to overcoming persistent bad habits and also the critical questions to ask yourself next time you're tempted to disobey god we'll be right back moments right after the show and help me out I am curious who we're missing so for example do you know of any speaker who is missing from womenspeakers.com do you know of a guest expert who you'd love to hear me interview on Marnie's Friends or maybe you know of a major Christian women's event group that is not yet represented over at womensevents.info Would you just take a moment after the show, swing over to Marnie.com and use the support link at the bottom of any page to recommend her to us. That would be awesome. I thank you for partnering with me in ministry, and God bless your day. Welcome back. This is Marty, and we're coming into the final segment of our show today on A New You Starts Today with Kathy Collard Miller. We're so excited to have her with us this afternoon, and if you guys are just joining us now, you have to go back and hear the beginning of this program. (laughs) Too much good information. And uh, also, uh, reference to a book earlier, um, Kathy, the book that uh, we've been talking about a lot today is never ever be the same and that's is that a book by both you and your husband or by you solo
1: it it is Uh uh-huh it's by uh, both of us and so it's wonderful yeah it it is i'm because we give both the perspective the male and the female perspective with examples uh, from both sides of the fence and i think it really adds a lot to it
0: oh that's so great and Your newest book, Whispers of the Heart, will be part of our Bible Study Expo this year. Looking forward to that as well. Well, as we come down uh, here to the end of the program, we want to talk about how to deal with disappointment, with compassion versus retaliation. And I just have to tell you that um, yesterday morning, I just had a situation that came and it was just all of a sudden in my face, I was angry so angry, (laughs) you know, and you can be going along just fine and all of a sudden something happens that just triggers the very, a very loud angry response in your spirit and uh, God did allow me to not uh, do something out loud or or whatever in in response to that, but it it just always shocks me how fast I can go from peaceful and calm to really agitated.
1: I totally agree, Marnie. I do. It's like, whoa, was that even in my heart? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I hope that your listeners really feel the the assurance that God wants to forgive them, even though it seems like they keep doing it over again. I certainly uh, relate to that.
0: Yeah. So what is what is a way to deal with disappointment? in a God-honoring way.
1: Yes. Disappointment really refers to the fact that we were expecting something from another person that maybe isn't of the Lord, or they are incapable of doing what we want them to do. So we can counteract that with compassion and not anger by understanding they have their own wounds. They have their own vows. They have their own lies that they're believing. And if they failed us, it's most likely because it brought up things in their own lives that they might not be aware of. And we can offer godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is seeing the pain ...in another person and their wounds, which we may or may not know, and they might not know them either. So godly sorrow says, you know what, I don't know what's at the core of that, but I will absorb the blow. You know, that's what Paul wrote in Romans 9. He said, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart... For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. That's godly sorrow. Now, he wasn't going to give up his life because Christ had already died for him. But the sorrow he felt, he didn't take it personally he didn't think he was being a bad apostle because they were being disobedient. He said, I would gladly give my life. I would be uh, take the blow for them if that was God's call. But it's not. But there's a heart of godly sorrow there, not blaming and not taking it personally because it says something about him.
0: mm." That's so cool. I When I think of disappointment, I, I divide those two words out, and I think of it as a disrespected appointment. And so we think we have an appointment with something. Beautiful. And yes. somebody or something comes into our lives and disrespects that from our perspective. And I love how you divided these two things out because a lot of times it truly is the hand of God protecting us from something that he did not want to have happen in our life.
1: That's right. And yet we think it must happen. This will bring Mm -hmm. us the joy and the love and everything. (laughs) And you know what? God can change a situation. He's strong enough. He's powerful enough. He can do that. And if it is for our good, then he will make it happen in the other person's life regardless. But we can trust him for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just back to that trust piece again, just so huge.
1: Okay, what is the key component to overcoming
0: persistent bad habits?
1: Well, it's what we talked about earlier, Marnie, that's so important for us to be reminded about is God's patience and not expecting us to be perfect. Therefore, it's okay for us to have to do something over and over again. So we we will eventually get victory. It may not look exactly the way that we want. I love first Timothy four fifteen. It Paul wrote to Timothy, Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. And that word in the Greek is the idea mm-hmm. of a pioneer cutting his way through the wilderness. Now, how does a pioneer do that? (laughs) We think with a big, long machete that's a mile long, and the next day he builds his house. No. The word progress actually is the Greek word taking one step at a time and using the axe, which is just a foot long or even six inches long. Little by little, by little and that's why when I speak on perfectionism I ask the women what do you want your one percent to be? Persistent bad habits are knocked off one percent at a time. Not one hundred percent. I'll never get angry at my my husband again. Mm-hmm. I'll never get frustrated with the kids again. No. What would be a one percent, a tiny action that little by little by little they add up and then that bad hap- habit is conquered in the lord's power and to be patient with god's plan is to say to him you do are you are trustworthy and I am glorifying you because now I need to depend upon you over and over again rather than just having it all taken care of and I get the glory you know just the other day i was talking to a friend and i had an opportunity marnie to talk about the lord and yet she wasn't responsive and we hung up and i thought oh man if only i had said this oh man if only i hadn't hadn't said that and i was berating myself and thinking no i i just did it all wrong and you know what one of my bad habits is is self-contempt and god says there's no condemnation but I'm really good at that. You know what? As I was thinking about it, (laughs) the Lord said to my spirit through his, through my spirit, through his spirit, but Kathy, if you had been successful, then you would have gotten the glory because you would have Mm -hmm. thought it was your wise words and the right words. But when I bring her to me, I'll get the glory because I always do it right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and he really does like to flex his muscles and show off a lot and get the glory.
1: <laughs> I love that. Yes. That's a he good book title. He, <laughs> he, he deserves it. That's awesome.
0: Okay, real quick, Kathy. What are the critical questions we need to ask ourselves next time we're tempted to disobey God?
1: Okay, these refer back to the wounds, the vows, the strategies. What is it that I want? What is it I'm demanding? Why does it seem like I must have this? What is being threatened if I don't get it? What do I fear? What am I trying to avoid? Am I trying to be seen as such and such, therefore I'll seek that instead of trusting God? How am I leaving out God? What am I really saying about God? a lot of the times we don't realize that we're actually reacting in ways that make God seem a certain way. So one of the things I like to do is to ask myself, wow, if someone were watching me or knew my heart, who would they think God is? Are they thinking he must not be very trustworthy because I'm not trusting him? Do they think that he's not very powerful because I'm trying to take control? And so these are the kinds of questions that really yeah. help us mm-hmm. to examine our heart, to search our heart, to find out what's really going on.
0: Mm, beautiful. Wow. Powerful. Yeah. And I just love how you've um, clarified for us that when we are in that position of being tempted, it is because we believed something earlier to be true that isn't true and that there is exactly. so much there's so much hope. <laughs> there's so much hope in that compared to just I've just gotta gut this through and just, you know, whatever. Because it's it's like when you walk into a pitch black room, it is completely black until you hit that light switch and then all of a sudden all that <laughs> darkness is gone. <laughs> and <clears> it does take a pro it's the process for us to actually have come into all the rooms where darkness is with Jesus but that is the process and it's this beautiful sense of freedom each time he frees us of a little piece of of this um, battle that we're going through and what sometimes you know we see miracles somebody just gets the whole thing healed all at once but a lot of times god really loves the process of it (laughs) kathy this hour has flown by such great content thank you my dear for being
1: here (laughs) Oh, my pleasure, and I love that you are able to also uh, reword and make it even uh, stronger and uh, clarify, so I appreciate it so much, Marnie.
0: Oh Well, thank you, and God bless you. And you guys, thank you for being here. It's just such a delight to share uh, Wednesday afternoons with you live. And for those of you who uh, listen to the archives or the syndicate stations, welcome to you. I love sharing this information and our guests with you. Be sure to check out Kathy's website. It's Kathy with a K, collard, C-O-L-L-A-R-D, kathycollardmiller.com. Check out her most recent book, uh, which is Whispers of My Heart, as well as one that we mentioned earlier in the show. A lot of the content is from the book, Never Ever Be the Same. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. See you again next time. Until then, have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Bye-bye.